Brothers and sisters, hear the good news. We have died with Christ and have been buried with him into death so that as Christ was raised from the dead, so we too might walk in newness of life. That newness of life in part means that we are no longer slaves to sin. Christ who died for you has set you free from sin. That newness of life means that we will live with him and will be made like him in the resurrection. Being in Christ means that there is now no condemnation for you. No longer must we set our minds on the things of the flesh, but we can now set our minds of the things of the Spirit who dwells in you. The Spirit helps our weaknesses and intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And no longer are we slaves to sin and death, because he who conquered sin and death has set his love upon you. And we know that nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So brothers and sisters, having truly confessed our sins, God himself promises you the forgiveness of the Father, the victory of the Son, and the glory and empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Believe this and rejoice. And all of God's people say, Amen. Amen. God's word to us this morning begins in 2 Chronicles chapter 16. I'm sorry, 2 Chronicles 26, excuse me, 2 Chronicles chapter 26. Hear the word of the Lord. And all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and made him king in the place of his father, Amaziah. He built Eloth and restored it to Judah after the king slept with his fathers. Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king, and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Jechaliah of Jerusalem. And he did right in the sight of Yahweh according to all that his father Amaziah had done. And he continued to seek God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding through the vision of God, and as long as he sought Yahweh, God prospered him. Now he went out and warred against the Philistines, and broke down the wall of Gath and the wall of Jabna and the wall of Ashdod. And he built cities in the area of Ashdod and among the Philistines. And God helped him against the Philistines and against the Arabians, who lived in Gerbaal, and the uh, Meunites. The Ammonites also gave tribute to Uzziah, and his uh, fame extended to the border of Egypt, for he became very strong. Moreover, Uzziah built towers in Jerusalem at the corner gate and at the valley gate, and at the corner buttress and fortified them. And he built towers in the wilderness and hewed many cisterns, for he had much livestock, both in the lowland and in the plain. He also had plowmen and vine dressers in the hill country and the fertile fields, for he loved the soil. Moreover, Uzziah had an army ready for battle, which entered combat by divisions according to their number of their muster, prepared by Jael, the scribe, and Maasiah, the official, under the direction of Hananiah, one of the king's officers." The total number of the heads of the households of valiant warriors was 2,600. And under their direction was an elite army of 307,500 who could wage war with great power to help the king against the enemy. Moreover, Uzziah prepared for all the army shields, spears, helmets, body armor, bows, and sling stones. And in Jerusalem, he made engines of war invented, I'm sorry, engines of war invented by skillful men to be on the towers and on the corners for the purpose of shooting arrows and great stones. 
Hence his fame spread afar, for he was marvelously helped until he was strong. But when he became strong, his heart was so proud that he acted corruptly, and he was unfaithful to Yahweh his God, for he entered the temple of Yahweh to burn incense on the altar of incense. Then Azariah the priest entered after him, and with him eighty priests of Yahweh, valiant men. And they opposed Uzziah the king and said to him, It is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to Yahweh, but for the priests, the sons of Aaron, who are consecrated, his hand for burning incense was enraged. And while he was enraged with the priests, the leprosy broke out on his forehead before the priests in the house of Yahweh, beside the altar of incense. And Azariah, the chief priest, and all the priests looked at him, and behold, he was leprous on his forehead, and they hurried him out of there, and he himself hastened to get out, because Yahweh had smitten him. And King Uzziah was a leper to the day of his death. And he lived in a separate house, being a leper, for he was cut off from the house of Yahweh. And Jotham, his son, was over the king's house, judging the people of the land. Now the rest of the acts of Uzziah, first to last, the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, has written. So Uzziah slept with his fathers, and they buried him with his fathers in the field of the grave, which belonged to the kings. For they said, He is a leper. And Jotham, his son, became king in his place. We'll turn now in the New Testament to the Gospel of John, chapter 15. We'll read verses 1 through 8. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father, by this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Please turn now to the back of your bulletin. We'll read together Psalm 33. Psalm 33, shout for joy in the Lord, O you righteous, praise befits the upright, give thanks to the Lord with the lyre, make melody to him with the harp of ten strings, sing to him a new song, play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts, for the word of the Lord is upright, and all his work is done in faithfulness, he loves righteousness and justice, the earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love, that he may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
be spoken faithfully and true, and in it you would convict us and comfort us and build us up to be strong warriors for your kingdom. We want to be the people who hold fast to your confession without wavering. It is our hope, and we know that you are faithful. You have promised. So we pray that you bless our time together for the glory of Christ. Amen. The foolishness of a man subverts his way and his heart rages against Yahweh. When a man's folly brings his way to ruin, his heart rages against Yahweh. The foolishness of man perverteth his way and his heart fretteth against Yahweh. You don't know what translation that is, do you? The foolishness of a man twists his way, his heart frets against Yahweh. The foolishness of a man ruins his way, and his heart rages against Yahweh. A person's own folly leads to their ruin, yet their heart rages against Yahweh. And this is the one I like the best, but it's not truest to the translation, I mean to the Hebrew. One's own folly leads to ruin, yet the heart rages against Yahweh. Now, hopefully you're holding one of those translations in your hand, and you notice they're all just a little bit different, but the verse is very clear. People do stupid things that bring about ruin simply because of what we call natural consequences, and then they have the audacity to rage against God. People do dumb things, and some Sometimes God intervenes with a correction, a judgment, or a punishment, and yet they have the audacity to rage against God. When we come to the book of Chronicles, of course, it is centered around the construction of the house of Yahweh, where he puts his name, and it's centered around the Davidic covenant where God promises to David that when he dies, a seed of his will sit on the throne of the kingdom forever, and he will build a house for God's name, and God will be his father, and David's son will be God's son. And when he commits iniquity, God will chasten him, with the rod of the sons of man and with the strokes of the sons of man. That's what Chronicles is about. 
And when you come to 2 Chronicles and you get to chapter 10, where you pass by the first nine chapters on Solomon, who faithfully constructs the temple and dedicates it and builds a house for himself and a place to store all of his weapons and all the treasuries that have come his way. And then you move into his son Rehoboam, of course. Trouble is afoot from there on out. And the trouble begins because of Solomon's own sin. And you work your way through, and my goodness, there is not one perfect king. Surprise, surprise, huh? But if you think about the history of Israel, let's just say from David down to the dispersion in 586 B.C., just roughly speaking, Israel has 500 years. The United States hasn't even come to 250 years yet. And some people think the country is ruined. God, uh, let me rephrase that, Israel didn't have a king after the dispersion for about 500 years. And then the Davidic covenant came to life in the person of Jesus Christ. And he became king. And when you read through the New Testament, Jesus is the king who is like David. Because David was taken from being a shepherd boy, and he was brought to be the shepherd of Israel. And here comes Jesus, the king, and all kinds of shepherd imagery is used around him. And that's because... God's people are sheep. And Jesus noted in Matthew chapter 9, as he looked on the crowds, he had compassion because they were like sheep without a shepherd. We have a king who sits at the right hand of Yahweh God, and he is our shepherd. He's called both the chief shepherd and the great shepherd. He sits in heaven. He sits there in a body, a resurrected body, but he is fully human. And he is heir to everything of God. Thou art my son. Today I have begotten thee. Ask of me the nations, and I will give them to you for an inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. Our shepherd sits in heaven, and he has overcome sin and death. And now he is putting all enemies under his feet, which means two things. That means everybody. Some are put under for destruction. Some are put under his feet because they've been transformed to submit to him. And one day that will be complete, and then Christ will return. And the dead in Christ, in fact, all the dead will rise. The dead in Christ will be raised, and we will be forever with the Lord on the earth. And his kingdom and the Davidic promise will be fulfilled for ages to come. It's not even possible for us to imagine that. And we will be in that kingdom in resurrected bodies 
that suffer from no decay, no sickness, no sadness, no sin. It's hard to imagine that. Chronicles was written, as we know, after or in the exile for the exilic people so that during their stay among the nations, or I should say the empires, Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome, they would not act so foolishly as did their king shepherds and the people that followed them. Chronicles was written with just an emphasis on certain words. And one of the words is unfaithful. It's a trespass. And it brings about the anger of the Lord. Another word is inquiry or to seek. If one, David says to Solomon, if you seek after God, he will let you find him. But if you forsake him, he will reject you utterly. So there's the word seek. And there's the word help, which we find in our passage today. Yahweh helped Uzziah. Yahweh helped a lot of the kings. The word is used. And the army helped Uzziah against the enemies of Israel. That's one of the words that's found. Another word that's found over and over and over is the word strong, and it's, a, it's translated a lot of different ways, but it's a key word that has to do with a king coming to power and strengthening his kingdom, and that's the same word, so that it is established, and that's the same word, strong. And a lot of the names of the king have to do with strong. Uzziah means that. Yahweh is strong. And uh, he has a mother, Jechaliah, whose name means Yahweh is able. Yahweh is powerful. And so when we look at 2 Chronicles chapter 26, we see all of that. And 2 Chronicles is really divided into, you can turn to 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles is divided into, if we look at it correctly, really about, about four sections. And it has bookends, verses 3 through 5, and then the last two verses of the chapter. The first three verses, 3 through 5, because actually... Verses 1 and 2 should be at the end of chapter 25. We have to remember that Uzziah reigned 52 years. Only one king reigned longer than he did, and that was Manasseh. And uh, on both ends of uh, Uzziah's reign is a co-regency. It's a little harder to discern in chapter 25. But Uzziah probably came to power during the reign of his father, and he reigned sometime, we don't know how long, and then his father died, and then he ticks up in chapter 26, verse 3. And when Uzziah committed his great 
Ma'ol, his unfaithfulness. He was rejected by the Lord and cast out of his house, and he had to live alone. And so Jotham, his son, reigned during the latter years of his reign, taking care of things because his dad was a leper. The foolishness of a man subverts his way and he rages against Yahweh. When I was young, and you can all see I'm not young now. When I was young, I don't know, maybe I was 19, 20. I was going to school in Southern California and to come home to Oregon. And uh, from the age of 14, I worked in a jelly factory. And uh, uh, in, in some of those periods, I worked from 11 till 7 in the morning. And this particular summer, that's what I was doing. And I had purchased a car so that I could get girls to go out with me and let them drive the car. And uh, so there was a guy in our church who needed a job, and he didn't have a car. He was younger. He was, uh, he was in high school. So he drove my car, and we would go to work about 40 miles from my house and 40 miles back. And he drove like a demon. I mean, back then, the freeway speed was 55, and he drove 85. You know, and I would say something to him, and no slowing down, and I was... Get in the car, I thought I was going to die. Well, uh, about five years later, he did die. He had three people in the car with him, and he lost control, and a tree split his car in half. The foolishness of a man subverts his way, and he rages against Yahweh. And that's what his family did. Why did this happen? Why did God allow this? You hear that all kinds of times when life is troubled. You know, surely life gets troubled without it being, quote-unquote, our fault. Because God's in charge, and sometimes he knows. I just need to be, bring trial into Craig's life, trouble him a little bit, test him out, let him see who he is so that he'll grow up. But at other times, God brings trouble that, well, he's in charge, he's sovereign, and it's all in the plan before the ages, before the earth. But, you know, from a human perspective and from a biblical perspective, the person is responsible, and it's his fault. And that's the way it is with Uzziah. And Uzziah should have learned his lesson because he had a grandfather who started out Right at the age of seven, he was made king. And he followed Yahweh as long as the priest was alive. And when the priest died, well, then he fell into idolatry. And he was slain by his own servants. And his father, Amaziah, well, his father, Amaziah, he had a little trouble listening to the word of the Lord, but we're told he did what was right in the sight of Yahweh. And yet when he gained a victory over the Edomites, he brought their gods home and began to worship them. And when a prophet 
came and objected to what he was doing, Amaziah said, who made you a counselor? Shut up or you're going to die. Uh-oh. <laughs> the preacher said that word. They're not allowed to say at home. Shut up. <laughs> and then comes Uzziah. So in verses 1 and 2, we're told about the fact that he regained Eloth. And the importance of that has to do with that's what kings were trying to do. A trade route went through there. And so during the co-regency, before his father had died, he gained this city back. But verse 3 starts the record uh, of Uzziah. Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king, and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Jechaliah of Jerusalem. And of course, all the words are inspired, and uh, she's of Jerusalem, and that's God-appointed, because God is able, God is strong, God is powerful. He's the can-do person, and what? He loves Jerusalem. He mourns over Jerusalem in the person of Christ, in the Synoptic Gospels. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. This is what I would have done, but you didn't want it. And so this man is brought up by his mother of Jerusalem with a name that means God is able, and he hears some of it because God does help him. But in the end, he becomes a disaster. And he did what was right in the sight of Yahweh, according to all that his father Amaziah had done. Well, that's kind of a double-edged sword, because if you turn back to chapter 25, of course, it says, ah, yeah, when it comes to Amaziah, he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, also, with a little caveat, of course, because these men weren't perfect. And when you turn to chapter 27, you're going to discover that it says Jotham did what is right in the sight of the Lord. And then when you turn to chapter 8, you're going to find out Ahaz didn't. So you have these four kings in a row where it says they did what was right in the sight of Yahweh, and yet all of them had, well, not, not 27, but all, all the others had deep failures. And I says, as I said before, that should give all of us some hope because we're a group of people who have failures and we live in a worldwide church that has drastic failures and we can become so dadgum judgmental just about two or three people are going to heaven but you see these guys are in heaven Joash, Amaziah, and Uzziah, even though they did awful things. Because in the end, we can't very well judge a man's heart or a woman's heart we can say, you know, what that person is doing is not Christian-like. And that person needs 
a little correction. But the, re the records, you know, they, they tell what they tell. And just about everybody who reads the Bible who is evangelical would say, you know, Solomon's in heaven. But Solomon's record has no record of repentance. And some people think, well, Ecclesiastes was written after his failure, showing how he came back. No, that's probably not true. Ecclesiastes was written for the dedication of the temple. And there are literary reasons why one should come to that conclusion. So all I'm telling you is we're told what we're told, but we're not always told the whole story. So here's this man who reigns for 52 years, and he did what was right in the sight of, Lord, of, of Yahweh in accordance with what his father did, which is keying you into the fact that, yeah, he's going to have some trouble too. And he continued to seek God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding through visions of God. As long as he sought the Lord, God prospered him. So here's, like his grandfather, there's a figure in his life that's instructing him and as long as that man's alive, he is following hard after God. He's seeking God. He's doing good. But when that man dies, for whatever reason, in Joash's case, some people came along and, and, and tempted him, twisted him, and he followed after them instead of being the shepherd leader he should have been. This guy, Zechariah, we don't know anything about him. We do know what his name means. Yahweh remembers. That's what's going to happen here in a few minutes when we come to this table. And we're going to memorialize Christ. Do this as my memorial. And Christ is telling us, when you eat, I'm going to remember you. And I'm going to work into your life through this mystery at the table, spiritual growth. And of course, you can't get that spiritual growth if you don't eat the table in faith. In other words, it's like missing a meal. When you miss a meal, your stomach growls. When you miss a Sunday meal, your spirit growls, or at least it should. So Yahweh remembers is what it tells us in verse 5. Uh, and this guy had understanding through, well, there's a little problem here, through visions, which is just the word to see. He had understanding because he, he saw. He understood God because he saw. Or some people think there's some textual problem and think it means that he fears. He had understanding because of the fear of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God prospered him. So this, this Zechariah, priest or prophet, 
my guess would be that he's a prophet. Because this is the word that you would see sometimes. Instead of the word prophet, you would see the word seer, S-E-E-R, because that's the word, see. So we go back to chapter 17, and uh, Micaiah is looking up, and he sees a vision. He sees, and he learns something from God, and he transmits it to Ahab and to uh, Jehoshaphat. And he tells the vision he saw. And he gives an interpretation. That is what this man is doing. And so what you have is the grace of God at work. Just like you and I, we can pick up our Bible and God is talking to us. There are some places in the world you can't do that. But we can. But here is uh, Uzziah and he's got a prophet who's taken special note of him. And his name is God remembers. That means God is remembering Uzziah. And he's giving Uzziah messages through the prophet Zechariah so that he will stick close to God. And as long as he was seeking God, remember, Saul was removed because he did not seek God. And he inquired, he sought after a medium. So the kingdom was taken to him and it's given to David and it's David's forever in the person of Christ. So... Uzziah gets special revelation. And if you would uh, look down to the end of the chapter. The chapter in verse 22. And here's the summarization. Now the rest of the acts of Uzziah. First to last, the prophet Isaiah, the son of Ammon, has written... So Uzziah slept with his fathers and they buried him with his fathers in the field of the grave which belonged to the kings. For they said, he is a leper. And Jotham, his son, became king in his place. Okay, so... Here's the introduction. Oh, man, it looks good. And here's the conclusion. Oh, man, it looks bad. Now, I don't know about you, but where I'm buried is of no consequence. That I am buried is of consequence because I believe in burial. Just, a little, just a, a little advertisement right in the middle of the sermon. I don't believe in cremation. That is a curse in the Old Testament. But look, he's, not ba- he's buried with his fathers in the city of David, but he's not buried in the king's cemetery. Why? Because they said he's a leper. Here's the king's cemetery. Let's take him over to this field the king's bought for people who don't end up worthy being in the king's cemetery. So in life, for the last years of his reign, maybe 10, maybe more, I don't know, he's separated from his people in death. He is separated from his people. When a man subverts his ways, he comes to ruin, yet he rages 
against Yahweh. Okay, so what we want in our life is we want the kind of introduction that Uzziah has. And when it comes to the end, we don't want the kind of burial he has with what goes with it. We want at our funeral on the earth for somebody to say, this was a good man or a good woman. And it'd be true because unfortunately most funerals, that's always what said, oh, this was such a good man when in fact it was a really rotten man. Because, you know, we're just <laughs> too kind to tell the truth. But what we want is somebody to say, this person, by the grace of God, stuck with him and followed him. And we're going to stick him in the ground, and he's going to rise again. We don't want to say, you know, you know, he had a wonderful wife, but uh, she died first, and she said when she died, make sure you don't bury my husband beside me because he is really bad. We don't want that, do we? And so, what is the key? Well, the thing is, in Chronicles, you know, it can be, it, it, it is, can't be, it just flat is. It's repetitive, 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 because why? Because we're foolish. And fools need to be told over and over. Whoops, forgot to turn the speech off. Uh, so, what is the key in Chronicles to each of the kings? Seek Yahweh. If you seek him, he will be found. And when the king came to power, he had to write out for himself the books of Moses by hand, why? So he would seek Yahweh. And James tells us, he's writing to his people, you adulterous and adulterers, don't you know that friendship with the world is enmity towards God? Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. It's the same kind of language. Seek Yahweh. You say, well, how in the world do I seek Yahweh? Well, it's the same answer every time. We just don't do it. Well, or we do it half-heartedly. We don't do it with a whole heart. Seek Yahweh. Yahweh has to become one's heart's desire. And the best way for married people to understand that is to think about the days of courtship. When in those days, boom, 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 all you could think about was that person you wanted to be with. That's where we're headed. That's where we want to go. And the only way to get there is by the grace of God through the power of the Holy Spirit as we take hold of the means of grace. So God is gracious, but he works by means. And one of the means he uses is the church, his people. So we grow together and we grow up together. One of the means is his word. And you have to treat this book differently. Because when you pick it up, you're 
if you open it up, the God of the universe is talking to you. You may not be listening, but he's talking. And it's, you know, not just something casual where you say, well, I read my three chapters today or whatever it is. You know, I have a problem there. Grace and I uh, listen at about 5.30 in the morning after I've been up all night. And, uh, you know, we're supposed to read certain chapters. And then after we're in Matthew chapter, we're supposed to say, read 18, and it goes through 20. Then she finally said to me, are you asleep? <laughs> One of the means is God's word. One of the means is God's table. One of the means is prayer. If most of us could improve somewhere, it certainly would be in prayer. Well, in between these two bookends is the story that we're told of Uzziah's life. And it comes in two sections. The first section is verses 6 through 15. And the second section is 16 down to 21. And the first section, as Hyde read to us, you can see. It's just a, it, it's a list of the kinds of things where God is helping Uzziah. And a king, a shepherd, he's supposed to do a couple of things. Because God has given this bountiful land to Israel, and he's supposed to protect it. That's what kings do. They protect their people. And there's another thing he's supposed to do, because he's given to these people the land that flows with milk and honey, and what he's supposed to do is help the people grow in prosperity off the land to serve the Lord. And so we're given records about how he does this. And we're told about uh, the Philistines and how he goes down and he breaks down walls. And you break down the walls, people become defenseless. And these are Israel's enemies. He's breaking down the walls and he's setting up towers and building cities right inside their territory, which some of it actually is supposed to belong to Israel, so that he's got forces out there who are guarding, just like we have forces around the world from, uh, from the military for the purpose of protecting us as the United States. And we appreciate that. Amen? Amen. So, he gets power over the Philistines and the Munites and the Arabians. He's, he's doing what he's supposed to do. And Ammon... The Ammonites, which is not his territory. But he has a lot of influence. Twice, we're told, he's got fame. He's got a name. He's got reputation. Why has he got reputation? Because he's a powerful man, because God helps him to protect his people. And he's got fame because he's a man who loves the soil. And so he goes out and he puts towers around that are guarding, you know, the, 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 the work of farming and agriculture and all the stuff. And he digs, hews out 
cisterns for water. Why? Because he's got lots of livestock and he's got plowmen and he's got vine dressers because he loves the soil. You see, God loves his people and he loves the land where he puts his people and he expects people to live in such a way that he might bless them with prosperity. And that's what happened. As long as Isaiah sought the Lord, oh, I know what I'm supposed to be about. Let me be about it. God prospered him, helped him along. And he used the Levites, and he used Hananiah, one of his officers, and he used Manasseh to muster the people and make this elite army just to protect and to go out to battle. An elite army of 307,500 men headed by 2,600 households. And he supplied to these men just general uh, weapons for warfare, shields and spears and helmets and body armor and bows and stones for slinging. And then he came back to Jerusalem. Remember, the wall had been broken down because of the nonsense of his father Amaziah. So that it was not protected on the side of Syria. And he came and he built up the wall and he put towers on them. And on these towers, he put fortifications that come places of warfare. And then he, he put special engines up there that were invented by some wise men to hurl stones and arrows. So now we're talking about some kind of apparatus on the wall, on the corners, on the towers, whereby if they're attacked at Jerusalem, the city that God loves, they have the first cannon known to man in its big rocks and arrows that can shoot a long distance. Yeah, God is very good to him, and unfortunately, he loses sight of what he's about. Look, if you would, down at verse 15 of chapter 26. And in Jerusalem, he made engines as uh, uh, engines of war invented by skillful men to be on the towers and on the corners for the purpose of, well, it should be probably translated, slinging arrows and great stones. Hence, his fame sped afar, for he was marvelously helped until he was strong. So the way he's uh, going about caring for his people brings him fame. All the places he's... uh, He's overpowered, brings him fame. And now because of his, of his uh, inventions in military weaponry, 
He's got fame because the Lord was helping him until he became strong. Twice in this chapter, we're told this man has fame. The word fame is just name. He's got a name. He's got a reputation. A reputation probably much like Solomon, where people came from afar to hear from Solomon. Because uh, the, way we're, the way we read back in the beginning of Second Chronicles, in the chapters, of all the things that Solomon had done, Uzziah is like him. And he becomes strong. His kingdom is thoroughly established. He's not going to be whipped by anybody. His people can walk about free and safe and cultivate the ground and grow vines to make wine. It's a wonderful place to be. And then he just kind of steps back and aren't I something? And Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 why do you boast in what you have? Whatever you have, you received it. And of course, the Corinthians were boasting about their wonderful gifts. What a, what a charismatic group of people they were with. Tongues, particularly in prophecy. And they come from the Spirit, Paul says, so how can you boast in it? And that's the problem Uzziah had. He started thinking, I, I, I've done all of this when we're reminded it was the Lord who helped them. And, and all across this room, all of us saints here, whatever mental capacity we have, God gave it to us. We can't boast about it. Whatever kind of finances we're able to put away, God gave it to us. We, we can't boast about it. We can't think, you know, well, here, here's the pastor thing. You grow a big church like McKinney Bible Church. And you say, you know, I really know something. I think I should be the pastors to the pastors. So you get your Bible conference every year for pastors to come from all around the world. How many do you think would come? Well, of course they'd say, well, Craig, you, that's a puny church. But think about it. All the guys who got the big radio program, what do they end up with? Let me tell you how to do it. I know. I'm somebody. Well, now, don't take that a bit with a grain of salt because I'm not picking on any one person. I'm just saying, that's the kind of tendency that's in us. When, uh, when er, er, early on, you know, when I started coming up to McKinney Bible Church and, and then Grace and I went to a couple of conferences and I would meet people that I'd known from seminary and be introduced. To, and, the, and the first thing they'd ask you, and I, I, have to, I have to admit, I ask the same question. How big's your church? Oh, we're about 10 or 12 or so. Actually, we're more than that. But, but you know, and then, and then how long have you been at your church? Well, now that was a very telling question. And say to somebody, well, how long have you been there? Well, I've been there. I, I was there two years and I moved on. Why did you move on? For a larger church. And I've been here 40 years and I've managed to keep the numbers down. <laughs> I, 
you know, we start busting out the seams and then you just throw something out there that makes people mad and all of a sudden the seams aren't busting anymore. <laughs> it's a fast diet program. <laughs> Verse 16, but when he became strong, and remember, this word means powerful, and it means established, his heart was so proud that he acted corruptly, and he was unfaithful to Yahweh, his God. For <clears throat> he entered the temple of Yahweh, to burn incense on the altar of incense. Now, uh, back in verse 5, it says he became very strong. And the word very is the word ma'al. And here he became unfaithful. And the word unfaithful is ma'al. So there's a pun being played, but of course, you can't see it in the English, but in the Hebrew, there's just a little different pointing, but the words have cho are chosen because what happens? People become successful. They think they're somebody, and they want more, and they go astray. And that's what happened to him. He acted corruptly which is a word that's used of what God did to Pharaoh and his people. God destroyed them. So it probably should be translated, he acted unfaithfully, or he became unfaithful, and he was destroyed. He was plagued. Well, lo and behold, he was. So here's this king, he knows his place. And here's, here, here's God's house right here. And a little walkway between God's house and the king's house. You can step, it's about, let's just say for fun, four feet apart. And his house is, in that sense, part of the temple. It's part of the temple complex. And we understand. Because David's son is the son of Yahweh. And he's going to sit on Yahweh's right hand. So right here on the earth, that's what's happening. Yahweh's sitting over here in his throne. You can't see him, but over here is sitting Uzziah, just a walkway apart in his throne room. He's on Yahweh's right hand. And he's acted corruptly. And he's been unfaithful. He's trespassed. I am somebody. Hey, I think, uh, you know, it's, it's a precursor. You can, you can just kind of see it happening. It's like when Israel wanted a king. God all along had planned they'd have a king, but they asked wrongly. And Samuel chided them over it. And God finally said, no, don't let them have their king. And he warned them what was going to happen. So here's Uzziah sitting over here, and here's Yahweh sitting over here, and he, he says, I know that one day the king will be king and priest. I think I'll take it now. And so he decides he's going to offer incense on the altar of incense. And of course, it makes sense. 
He's a shepherd. And the incense altar is the smoke that is swirling and rising up into the inner room to God. And it is the prayers of the saints. But of course, God was very strict in what he, how he set things up. We forget that today because we're so casual about how we do anything. We don't want any formality of anything left. Somehow we think New Covenant came and it means, you know, whatever. No, probably not. And so he goes in and he is opposed by Azariah, which means Lord helps. He's going to help get rid of Uzziah with 80 other priests, and they confront him. This isn't made for you, but he won't listen. And he's got his censer to burn incense, and all of a sudden they look at him, and leprosy is broken out on his forehead. But that's not the word. The word is leprosy rose on his forehead. And you look at every other case of that word, and it has to do with the rising of the sun. What does that tell you? When the sun rises, you see that glow in the morning, don't you? His forehead's all aglow because he is now a leper. And you read through Leviticus, and you know it seems like it gets a little boring, but then you begin to understand this. And so he has to go outside the premises and go to a different house because he can't be around people. He's a leper. And he remained a leper till the day of his death. And in his death, he was still cast as a leper. Why? Because he quit seeking the Lord. And he began to seek his own counsel. You look into your own heart, and you think you know it all, well, you're just dead wrong. I like to say it this way. If you knew how much I didn't know, you wouldn't listen to me anymore. But where do we find knowledge and wisdom and understanding? We find it with the Lord. And so Uzziah paid a big price. And what was a wonderful reign now ends in disaster. Now, we're not told how many years or what he said during that time, but what God did not do is remove the leprosy before he died. Miriam got leprosy, and she had it for a week, and it was removed. But Uzziah, no. God chose not to remove But remember, Uzziah did what was right in the sight of the Lord. That's why I say, yeah, you're going to see Uzziah in heaven. Some people think that if you haven't repented of all your sin before you die, you're going to go to hell. Of course, that's not possible. Suppose you're driving along in, in, in your car and you're yelling at your wife and saying things you shouldn't be said and you get in a crash and you're dead right away. That would mean you went to hell. Some people think that. All of us are going to enter heaven with sins we didn't know we committed, and we'll probably all enter heaven with some sins we didn't confess before we entered heaven. 
We don't know what happened to Isaiah, how that all worked out. Maybe he did confess. Maybe he, he was thereafter as faithful as one could be. But you know what that means? It means Uzziah could not come to the house of God to worship. It means Uzziah could not eat the sacrifices. It means Uzziah could not be in the throng when they sang psalms of praise to God. Uzziah was a leper until his death, and even in his death, he was still a leper. Well, there's so much to say that can't be said in such a short amount of time, so I'll take another hour. Is that okay? No. So what's the short and the long? Well, it's the short and the long of each chapter. Seek Yahweh. Stand with me. Lord, we say, search us and know us and see if there be any wicked way in me. We want to be people who are faithful to you. We do not want to commit ma'al. We want to cling closely to you and know you and be guided by you, our shepherd, both as a congregation and as elders and as fathers of households, all of us, and as mothers, and even our children, they want to be guided by you. Help us as a church and individuals and those who have uh, authority over others to say, okay, how can I help my wife, my kids, my flock seek Yahweh? Answer our prayer, we pray, in the name of Christ. Amen.